1: deacon Stephen, a man of God who stood for God. Saul was consenting. This Saul later becomes Paul. At that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Before I read further, you recall in Acts 1.8, this was supposed to happen in Acts 1:8. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses of me in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. But they did not do that. They stayed in Jerusalem. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3, Chapter 4, Chapter 5, Chapter 6, Chapter 7. They stayed in one locality and yet God said I want you to go beyond that. I don't believe these Jews in Jerusalem were being rebellious. Uh, they sold their possessions and gave them to the work of God. They found themselves, Acts 114, praying. Chapter one is the praying church. Chapter two is the power church filled with the Spirit of God. Chapter three is the preaching church. Chapter four, uh, chapter three is the persecuted church. Chapter four is the the preaching church. Uh, Chapter five is the church that faced problems. Chapter six was the polity of the church when they organized the church. Chapter seven was the man who stood for God and proclaimed uh, his position in Jesus Christ. But though that was all good and deacons were organized and preachers were organized and everything was going great and God was adding to the church daily such as should be saved in 3,000 and then 5,000 great things happening. It was wonderful. People being baptized. But God did not want it just to stay there. God wanted to expand to the world. Tonight I want to expand the message from what God did in my heart And in your heart this week, I want us to be involved in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost part of the earth. I want us to be involved in Santa Clara and Silicon Valley, in California, in the United States, and in the world all at the same time. That's Bible. Notice what the Bible says. They're scattered because this is what God's plan. Chapter 1, verse 8 And now it's chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 8, they're supposed to go. Chapter 8, verse 1, they finally get moving. And God uses persecution, scatters them. He moves them out. I believe we're truly going to see in time, I can see some of it already, how good COVID was for this area and for the nation and for the world. One of the things that COVID did of many You conquered COVID on the parking lot at the stadium. We'll never forget those days at the stadium and the nine tents and the fire pits. We'll never forget the cars parked 12 rows deep uh, all the way back through parking lot one and parking lot two and down this road where they could not see. We'll never forget the horn honking when people would say amen by honking the horn. It was a time that it, it's going to look, we're going to look back. Last night at prayer, I got out to the Statue of Liberty. There's stones there from a message. I preached to an empty auditorium on a Sunday morning. And, and you were not able to come in here. I had 12 stones here. And, and they took that, Brother John Morris, you built such a great monument out there. And the scriptures there, uh, during COVID, Co- uh, the corona uh, vi- uh, virus, this, this is what mean these stones? I tell you what, uh, what the stones mean. It means the church allowed God to conquer something. We still have people saved. We had people coming in. They said, I, I think of several that came. I think of one particular lady. She was so helpless and hopeless, and it was so dismayed. She goes, I'm just everywhere I go, everywhere I go around here, it's nothing but fear. I'm, I'm so fearful. There's no hope. And I saw all these cars coming here, and I came to church, and and you guys up there singing in the stadium, and music people are singing, and, and there's preaching, and people are happy. And, and one of our ladies right at the service letter to cry." the Bible says and devout men carried Stephen to his burial made great lamentation over him as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering every house hailing men and women committed them to prison therefore therefore Our verse tonight is verse 4. Would you read it with me tonight? To me, it's it's such a moving verse. I want this for my life and my marriage, and I want it for our church more than ever. Read it with me, please. Chapter 8, verse 4. Ready? Begin. Therefore, tonight I want to encourage us more than ever to take the gospel to a dying, hopeless world. This morning is like every Sunday around here. I watch people come up, I stay out front here, and they come, and it says Lifeline Bible Class, Tabernacle Bible Class, North Valley Baptist Church. I see all these gospel tracts, and they hold them like it's something very reverent i i, I... I started walking the man to the tabernacle, uh, to the, the lifeline because I, I was trying to understand him. He had that card like I'm not going to let go. And I got all the way from the front to the middle of the park, and I, and it dawned on me. I was taking Brother Martinez, and it said tabernacle. I walked him all. The, I said I'm so sorry. Walked him all the way around, and, and then he saw Brother Cooper. So excited because you had met him already and given him the track. People, people are coming to this church. Another lady sent money in this week and said thank you for the Bible that was left at my doorstep. I want you to know tonight whether it's Bibles or tracts or soul winning Gospel of John and Romans, people are listening and they come by the droves. I can't keep up with the names at the door as people are coming through. Why, they're looking for something, what that something is is someone. And our job is to take the Gospel everywhere, everywhere. I think of this great two million people in the Silicon Valley. I think I can tell you of one Baptist church that may be open. I cannot tell you of a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian. I don't know of any other church open but the two churches tonight. There may be one that I don't know of. I hope there are. When Ms. Treber and I came here, I can recall that We would take the advertisement on Monday to San Jose Mercury News, and we had it all drawn out and all what it's supposed to be. And on Saturday, every Saturday from San Jose Mercury News, and you folks, you young people don't know, newspapers used to come to our house every day. I was a newspaper boy when I was a a young boy and delivered those papers 365 days a year. I can remember throwing folding the paper i have the paper john f kennedy assassinated 1963 november and you get those papers and that's how you got the news there was no cnn and fox and msnbc and all these other There was no cable television there was none of this computer stuff you, you sort of had to wait till the newspaper came out find the news on a saturday In the Silicon Valley, I mean a paper that's this big and you open it up, it's like this. You know what I'm talking about. Three pages always of just churches and what's happening in the churches on Sunday and Sunday night in the Silicon Valley. You're not gonna find churches open. We have adopted the philosophy, though Jesus is coming again and he said, exhorting one another, And that we ought to assemble ourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching we don't need less of god and less teaching and less singing and less bible we need more as he's coming again jesus is coming again and so i want to warn all that i can I'm not good at a lot of things, but I try all day. All I, I fill my car panels with d- tracks. I fill my pockets with p- tracks. And throughout the week, I run out. I give them everywhere I go. And I tell you what, people receive them. John was at the Home Depot one night this week or one after. I forget what it was. And I, I saw several people trying to help me. I said, let me give you. And a lot of them knew about you already. And they knew about our church. But everyone I give it to, them, said, thank you. Thank you so very much. One man that you work with over there, I said, are you, do you know the Lord? He goes, you know what? I was raised in a Catholic home. We've got five kids now, my wife and I. But he says, we, 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 we went to church, but I never understood the whole thing. But my mother and dad got this thing called born again. They got saved. He told me about it. I said, are you? He goes, no, I'm not. I I wish I could tell you right there he got saved. He was working and he had to keep moving. But I want you to know everybody, it seems like with FL, everybody wants to hear something good. You say, well, once in a while, you come across an old nutcase and a grump. Well, that's part of life. You might be sitting next to one right now. But there's such a hunger for hope. Such a hunger to know who God is. And they scattered everywhere. Tonight, I bring to you the purpose of the church. I gave you the first seven chapters, letter P. Chapter 8 is propagate to take the gospel to the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter 5, if you'll turn back there, tells us how to do it. We get our pocketbook involved. I don't believe you get your, pocket, your, your prayer life involved first. I get you, your pocketbook involved. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've I, I told you so many times, never forget a professional businessman. He and his wife are home with the Lord now. But I recall in the old A-frame building. He'd come, and you've heard this story so many times. He'd come, and he'd get right with God, be- dignified man, beautiful suits. He'd come and he'd say, Pastor, I... One day he said, I'm not, I, I come to church for two weeks and I live right and then I don't come for two or three and then I get back. Every time you see me down here, what's wrong with me? And to this day, I've never looked at the tithe record of anybody. I've never asked. But I said, i tell you, I called him by his name. I said, i tell you, your problem at the altar... I said, you don't tithe. Mm. This is in the 70s, maybe 80, you know, it had to be the 70s. And he said, I didn't think you looked at the tithe record. I said, I don't. Mm. Well, how do you know I don't tithe? I said, because where your treasures, your heart will be. Yeah. Right. You start investing in the work of God. And he looked at me, instead of getting angry, he was much older than I am. He had tears in his eyes. He said, you're so right. You're so right. God wants your pocketbook. Here's Ananias and Sapphira. God didn't necessarily want all their houses and lands, but they lied about what they were giving. You know, can you deceive yourself? And can I deceive myself? It's easy. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, certain men, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a possession, kept back part. His wife was bringing privy to it. She understood it. She realized it. And a certain part they led at, at the Apostles. See, they, indig- they, they gave uh, uh, acknowledgement. Everybody else was given everything. So they were acting the same way. And whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God! And of course, we know Ananias died. And after about the space of three hours, verse seven, his wife she asked the same question. She says, Why have you agreed together? Verse nine, and she fell straightway down. I'm not saying God's going to kill you for not tithing. But I am saying this they were playing a game with God with their pocketbook. God wanted the gospel to go beyond the regions of just right there in Jerusalem. And it was going to take money, and the Jews got with this thing. Turn with me in your Bibles, please. If you would go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. As you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, moreover, brethren, we do to the wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Notice how they gave. In great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and deep poverty the abundance to the riches of liberality for to their power i bear record beyond their power they were willing to them themselves and this they did verse five not as we had hoped but they first gave their own selves to the lord and he said see that you finished in this same grace the grace of giving the church at Corinth had every single one of the gifts the bible says they possessed the gifts. They, they were a, a, a church that was so blessed with the gifts of God. But he said, don't forget this church at Corinth like the churches of Macedonia. They, they gave. And he said in verse number seven, a lot apart, see that ye abound in this grace also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich yet for your sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Chapter 8 and chapter 9 would be a tremendous chapter to study this week. It's about a church l- l- learning the joy of grace giving, a- a undeserved privilege to give, and all of a sudden investing all they can. A lot of things we're still trying to grow in grace, but I'll tell you one area that I know my wife and I have both figured out in our life, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we've understood that you give and it shall be given. It's just an amazing thing. If God places a spiritual impulse on your heart, give. God burns your heart for missions, give. God burdens your heart for that. Uh, A couple weeks ago, a dear lady in, uh, in our church, uh, I've not talked to her in years probably. I don't know. And, and she, she put in nearly $10,000 because of gasoline. She's not rich. She doesn't have anything in life. Gasoline is so expensive for those buses. We've got to keep them running. God bless her spirit. Doesn't own a home. Doesn't have fancy things. But she has a heart that's tender to God. We've learned this through the years. So many missionaries we've heard. You saw a demonstration of it in a man by the name of Rick Martin this week. What an amazing man. He went nearly 50 years ago to the Philippines, 46 years ago, and his prayer card, Mrs. Apusin has it. I was going to show it, but I thought it might have been uh, 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 wrong to do that How uh, nearly 50 years ago they looked like young kids like I did my wife still looks young I remember Brother Rick said somewhere in one of his preaching this week he said I weighed 120 pounds I sure doesn't weigh 120 pounds now he has beat his body down for God I know it's been a half a dozen times he's had malaria. He has suffered physically, keeps on going. He was, no, he suffered here this week. Did you notice, did you notice? He started off fairly powerful preaching that you could hear him. After 10 or 11 minutes into the message, his voice got weaker and softer. He has preached to thousands upon tens of thousands every week for all these years. I'm so glad that you invested in building and preparing 400 churches. You paid the pastor's salary, and you built a building over the last 10 years in the Philippines. I'm writing down all the blessings of God as we're getting ready for July 13, 2025, when this church will celebrate 50 years, and that's one of the things I have on here. Because of you, because of who you are, because of your sacrifice with your pocketbook, we were able to start to begin 400 churches in one country. Now we're in Mexico doing the same. I think of America and I don't know, I've got all the cities down, I don't know if I'll get up to 100 churches but help uh, either start or tremendously assist financially in starting churches in America. How'd that happen because of you? How'd we build these buildings? how we buy these properties? How'd we buy a million and a half dollars worth of buses recently? Because of God's people. They abound in this grace. What a grace it is. To be able to give where your treasure is, your heart will be. I find they were able to propagate because they got involved with their pocketbook. You know what else they got involved with? Prayer. I need a Tabitha, I need that music for that song, please. That convicted me so much. And then Brother Mopi talking, so many of you depend on me to pray for you, and I want to, oh, I want to pray for you. Sometimes I'll either walk in this building or walk through it in my mind as I'm uh, somewhere praying, and I'll go from the front row, who see you folks always sit there, you always sit there, you always sit there. I try to go through the house and where they sit, I like coming here, the light is Security lights are always on. You can see a little bit. That cross is always lit. And walk through and say, here's where they're going to sit. Here's where they're going to sit. Our job is to pray for one another. Would you pray for this area right here? I want the preacher to stay sound. I want the, the music to stay right. I want it to be right before God. Praying people. We were way down at prayer meeting last night. We had so many other different things, people coming back for places. But on a down night over at the other property, they had about 25 to 30 men praying. We had about 75 last night on a down night. And I tell you what, I begin to hear some of those men turn and kneel and pray together. Hear their voices, it rejoices my heart. I thank God this is a praying church. Ladies, it wouldn't hurt if some of you just wanted to come in and and I don't want to make it just a somber place. I want their piano to be going and music to be going and happiness and handshake and all that. But maybe some of you could just pray together. And some of you men might just want to, before church starts, just come to the altar and just pray right here. And some of you teenagers turn, let's pray for the service tonight and pray that God gets you. Pray that somebody gets saved. Somebody gets called to the ministry tonight. They were praying church. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul says, Brethren, pray for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, brethren, pray for us. He says it again. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, pray for us. Sometime this week I was somewhere driving and I got overwhelmed. The thought occurred to me, And undoubtedly at this very moment, a child, a teenager, or a a young adult, or a couple, or a senior saint is praying for us right now. I just got overwhelmed to think that how much you pray for us. I began to think how many of you have taught your children they don't have to do this. It's up to you. Father, we thank you for the food. Thank you for your provision. Please guide and help Pastor Mrs. Treber or Pastor Mrs. T, tonight or today. The staff, these men, you can just go by right here, and the different ones that sit here from time to time through the building, and you pray for ladies, and you pray for men that teach the Word of God, and for school teachers, and pray for your school teacher, pray for the students in their your, your kids' class. Uh, that, that brochure that the media department gave, I, I took it immediately and they have all 140 missionaries' pictures and all beautiful colored pictures and, and I cut it out and I put it in my prayer journal under the missionaries. I can see their face in the fields where they represent. Do you know they need to have people back home that praying for them? The purpose of this church is our pocketbook. You say, are you after it? You're not a kid, I'm after it. Because I want us to lay up the treasure not on earth, but treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal and destroy. I was walking to church. I don't know if it was last Sunday, but I think it was last Sunday morning early. I know a preacher who was a pastor of the church 50 years, and he was so well-known and so famous, and he wrote so many books and he took his books, and he had his own ministry. And when the church had 50 years with he was there, he gave back every single dime to the church that they gave him. We don't have things like that. I've never made a penny off of it, a book or anything we've sold. I tell you, I, I was praying, Lord, wouldn't it be great if somehow... I could figure out how much money this church has given to me and give it all back. I don't want to have amassed great wealth down here. I'm not asking you to get a U-Haul behind the hearst to carry all my possessions. I don't want to be buried like the pharaohs in Egypt and the in the in the in the, in the uh, Uh, Pyramids, and they discover millions upon millions of dollars of gold and silver and precious stones. I want, I know it's my wife's heart. We want to send as much up there as we can. I'd like to tell you more. I'd like to take you to Acts 12. I think I need to get done. Acts 12 uh, Peter was in jail but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. God lays one of these missionaries on your heart. Will you pray for them? God lays a missionary on your heart as they're going to these fields that are not like open like this, but they're hard fields. Would you pray for them? About three or four weeks ago, a young couple kneeled right here. They knelt. As our son-in-law, brother Ryan, and Tiffany, and as our son, Tim and Rebecca, have the picture in my office, they, and we ordained him for the gospel ministry. Brother Lawman, brother JJ Spillman, knelt right here, and his wife Allison was knelt right here, and little Riley was in the nursery. And They said we're getting ordained. There we go to the field. Graduates from our college. He met with the deacons. His testimony was so great, we ordained him the gospel ministry. They left this week. They stopped, and I want to say in Frankfurt, but I don't know if that's true, they stopped somewhere the email said. I said, "We arrived. They're trying to get to Ukraine, but they can't get in. He knows the language for Ukraine. He knows Russian, he knows English. American, but he grew up on the field with his parents. She's so eager to go. And he said, We landed in Romania. And glory to God, all of our, all of our luggage landed with us. And we got into our hole today. That's because of you and churches like you that gave and prayed. I wonder in our college, I wonder in our high school, how many others could say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'll go where you want me to go. Tonight I see our pocketbook and I see our prayer. And I see the importance of prayer, in a praying church. I think of how that Jonathan Goforth wrote this in 1925. If we all had faith in God with intense believing prayer, there could be a genuine Holy Ghost revival. I'm praying for revival. 1904, some teenagers got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. One young boy in particular, a 17-year-old boy, Wales, was so wicked The churches were empty in Wales. There was sin and degradation everywhere, and a teenage boy got a hold of God, and God got a hold of him. He came back in 1904 to his youth group, began to tell what God was doing. They began as teenagers just to pray. They'd seek God. They'd weep before God. They'd pray before God. And in a short time, Revival broke out in Wales. Huge buildings that are now erected over there were built to accommodate the crowds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands and over a million got saved. And the revival is on. You know, most of those edifices now are completely empty. You can almost get one given to you because there they sit. They are a menace to that great country, that Welsh revival came on because teenagers got a burn for prayer. I wonder what God wants to do with us together? Had Iron Judson was the man that God was going to use, which leads me to my third point. Not oh, is our pocketbook needed and our prayer, but we need to produce something. We, we've got to get some folks to say, I'm, I'm, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go anywhere with Jesus, wherever he wants me to go. Adoniram Judson was born into a preacher's home. His dad was harsh. He was a preacher, a Puritan-type preacher, very harsh. Adoniram Judson was brilliant. They said that at the age of three, his dad was out preaching, and he came home, and he said, Father... And he read an entire chapter at age three from the Bible. By age 12, he had mastered Greek language. By age 16, he was at Brown University. Brown is one of the Ivy League schools. They all were Bible colleges. In in, in 1608, Harvard, the Bible college that produced preachers. In 1701, Yale, the Bible college, all started always with preachers. And then everyone began to corrupt, and they saw that Harvard was corrupting, and they, they, they started Yale, and the Harvard, Yale began, and they started Princeton, the Presbyterians did, to train missionaries and train preachers. And the Baptists, they created an institution, I in believe, called Brown. Brown's a large, all these are large universities still to this day. Brown was the one that about three weeks ago had a a, a Baptist Bible college. They don't even know it was Baptist. Brown was the college that had five days of go-to-class nude. You see, when you get away from God, you begin to elevate yourself, it's amazing what you can do. This boy went to, Ed and I went to Bible college at age 16, graduate the head of the class. He came home from Brown and said to his dad, because of his roommate that influenced him, all oh, the powerful roommate, he said, Dad, I want to announce something to you. I am an atheist. I don't believe there is a God. I grew up in this home Went to all these churches and went to all these services and sang all the hymns. I don't believe in God. I'm done with God. He said, I'm done with her family. He got on his horse and left. His mother begged him, son, please don't go. She was such a sweet, good, godly lady. Dad was so frustrated with him. He left and he lived the atheistic life it was not a good life. One day he had traveled so long on his horse. He came to a spot in the road, there was a little inn. He moved his horse in there, he stopped and said to the innkeeper, I've been traveling all day, I need a room. The man said, You don't want to stay here. He said, Why? He said, I only got one room left. I'll take it. No, you don't want this room. The man in the room right next to you, and our walls are thin. Is dying. He's been there since this afternoon, moaning and groaning and crying out and screaming. You don't want to stay there. You won't sleep. Go down the road. There'll be another end down the road. He said, I can't go on. I had an item I'm staying here tonight. He said, All right, do what you want. I had an try to sleep that night, but he heard the man in the room next to him screaming out. Screaming out, Is your God? I've denied you, I've hated you, is your God? He cursed God. He did everything imaginable. He would moan, he would groan. About daybreak, it got quiet in that room, and had and I went to sleep for a while. He went to the innkeeper and said, By the way, whatever happened to the man that got quiet about daybreak, he said he died about daybreak. Was he an old man? He said, Oh no. Oh, no, he was from Brown University. He said, what was his name? He gave him the name. He said, that was my roommate. He taught me, Brother Jose, how to be an atheist. I listened to him moan and groan and cry out to God and curse God through the night. I I heard it all night. That's my roommate. I heard it all last night, and the commotion, the anger. I heard it all through the night. Got on his horse, and he flew home to his parents. He said, Dad, lead me to Christ. He became America's first missionary, Adoniram Judson. What an amazing testimony. Are you running from God tonight? Has God spoken to you about your pocketbook? Has God talked to you about your prayer life? Has God talked to you about producing souls? I've been rehearsing this week, this church. You Filipinos, many of you went out to the pumpkin patch yesterday. Pastor Apusa, I was so humbled. You stopped off and got cases and cases of Bibles to take them with them, to distribute them there. Thousands of Bibles. This year, 100,000 Bibles. Every year, 100,000. This area has been blanketed and reblanketed, and and will continue to blanket again next year. This region with the Word of God You've seen it on Sunday mornings. Oftentimes we've had people come with the Bible said, and they said, I want this. A man told me a few weeks ago, I've been looking for answers for a year, more than a year. I've been praying for answers and I found the answer. He told me that Sunday night after you got baptized. He said, I came this morning and I got saved this morning. This is what I've been looking for. I think of one week out of the year, we always take in one week 100,000 gospel tracts door to door. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands we pass out a year, Brother, Mark, Brother, Brother uh, Apusa, but there's just there, there's constant getting the gospel out. You know what you're doing with KMVBC around the, around the world? You're getting the gospel out. You know what you're doing with live streaming? You're getting the gospel out. You want to know what's happening as we ordain men and women in the gospel ministry? We're getting the gospel out. You know what happens? You give money to Worldwide Missions. We're getting the gospel out. You know what happens? You go, we get back out in another rest home this week. You know what's happening? We get in there. We're rescuing the perishing in the last moments of life. You know what happens when you run those buses and knock on those doors on Saturday and we give a pumpkin away on Sunday? Big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Someone paid for them. You did! Oh, those kids are so thrilled. You know what happens when deacons take care of their under and pray for you? I have deacons that, 41 deacons, they all have about 44 families. I have deacons that absolutely know the names of all the families on their under shepherd list and they pray for you. We cover it. I talk to them about it. Do you realize your soul winning efforts? The teenagers that go out every week, the captains, the Sunday school teachers, the bus workers, the shuttle soul winning bus, Saturday with the men, the ladies Tuesday morning soul winning. Several of these ladies are home with the Lord. I remember these ladies, I found out, you've heard this tell this before, it was in the closing days of Mrs. Adrenada's life, I found out, I never knew that there was an army of Filipino women, elderly, many of them on dialysis, I went out every week, and they completely blanketed the city. Over 125, 150,000 people in Santa Clara. Every single house got a gospel witness. And over 150,000 people in Sunnyvale. And in in every one of these cities, Mountain View, and in Malpitas, and in San Jose, much of San Jose, if not almost all of it. And city after city. I never knew for years, decades, they'd been doing this. Going out on their own, knocking on doors. I saw Mrs. Adrenada. On a Saturday morning, she had been in dialysis about noon. I I saw her. She said, I've been in dialysis. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going. Your mom? I'm going door knocking with some of the ladies. I stopped by your mom and dad's grave. I'd hear their name, Adrenada. Such a beautiful spot. I think of all the times when she felt so poorly. And she went out telling the good news. I think of your grandmother, how she used to sit here. She's with the Lord. and how she pled with you to get saved. And now the thousands have been saved. I went too long. I want us to be a church that propagates the gospel. Using the radio, using the live stream, using the door-to-door, using soul and using the Bible.